let's be totally honest, the Islanders weren't playing well before the COVID-19 outbreak. At some point, you can't hang your hat on the fact that they're getting chances. Historically, 77% of the teams in playoff spots at Thanksgiving do wind up making the playoff. Uh, Transmittability? Is that a word? Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome back to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders Podcast, Episode 120. And welcome back to the Islanders from their three-day COVID-19 shutdown. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday, and you can find me as always on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And on this episode, we'll take a look ahead at the hard road that confronts the Islanders now that they are able to resume their season. They're sitting in last place with only 12 points through their first 17 games, and we'll also do a lengthy Andrew's answers to go over some of the topics that you as listeners would like addressed. But first, here's Coach Barry Trotz on his thoughts on how to piece this back together through an eight-game losing streak and entering Thursday night's game against the Sharks at UBS Arena after two games were postponed on Sunday against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden and Tuesday in Philly, and the NHL still needs to announce the uh, the makeup dates for those two games. Uh, uh, how Trotz thinks they can piece this back together through that this eight-game losing streak that predated the COVID break, through a COVID break that had eight players test positive, not to mention three others in the organization that have not been identified, other than we know it's not President and General Manager Lou Lamarillo, nor Barry Trotz or anybody on his coaching staff. And this is also through injuries to defenseman Ryan Pulak and center Brock Nelson. So again, here are Trotz's thoughts on that subject. Well, you know, we've dissected our team, and, it, and it's been hard because of the fact that, you know, we, we were, you know, we, I thought we played okay, you know, uh, through our first, you know, 10, 9, 10 games, we were, we were okay. You know, we still had some hiccups, you know, we lost a couple games a little bit late, uh, some individual mistakes, what have you. But to try to really dissect it uh, based on, on the group that we had playing, it was a little more difficult. So we had to take a step back and say, okay, if we're, when we're playing, what what do we do well? Okay, and we just went back. Are we doing that well? Not as well as we can, whatever area that was. And so we're just picking off areas, trying to get a little bit of uh, a little more detail. Uh, I think everybody's there's no fault and everybody's trying so hard. But sometimes when you try too hard, you start getting out of your your comfort zone in terms of what is expected, what you're supposed to do, and what are what we call you know protocols or what's just doing your job. Try to compensate for for other people or whatever. And we've gotten away from uh, what we do well, so we're just going to try to get our piece our game back. And the, and the process very simply is going to be we're getting people back, and they're trying to catch a moving train a little bit because let's face it, you know, you're not on the ice, you're not able to, you know, work out, you're not able to be in the, in the game mode, all that. Uh, so you've got to sort of piece it together. And, um, so the first step is let's get our, uh, 
our game least trending in the right way. Uh, and, and to me, it, it, it trends with let's get the attitude back where uh, we can be confident in playing, you know, the way we can, at least close enough to our our ceiling, not, you know, not the floor. You know, sort of that mentality of just, you know, you've got to start climbing up the mountain a little bit. and It's got to start with one step. Uh, you know, you're not going to get to the top of the mountain right away. So start playing together. Uh, and hopefully – we can do that with our with our people. We haven't had our people um, for four games at least here, and you know the four games before we had most of our people, and there's there's no excuse. We lost a couple of games. Uh, one one I I felt that we should have won, and uh, three that I I felt that we weren't as good as we can be. So uh, we put ourselves into that position without uh, you know. Realizing that, you know, COVID was around the corner. We didn't, we didn't see that, that train coming, but it, it's here. And so we've got to pick up the pieces and go forward. Captain Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, who spent more than a week quarantined in Florida after testing positive, Kiefer Bellows, Ross Johnson, Casey Sezikis, and defenseman Andy Greens, Dano Chara, and Adam Pellick were the players who had tested positive for the Islanders. And Barry Trott said on Wednesday, after the team held its first practice, its first team activity back after the NHL cleared them, uh, that Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Ross Johnson, Andy Green, and Adam Pellick would be available against the Sharks on Thursday night. There was no immediate timetable on the three, and that would be Kiefer Bellows, uh, Dino Chara and uh, Casey Sezikis. No timetable on when they might be able to clear COVID-19 protocol. And uh, again, for, for the Islanders to practice on Wednesday and for the NHL to clear them to play on Thursday, the, the Islanders needed three straight days of no additional positive COVID-19 tests within the organization. That's not just players. And uh, and that three-day period started on Sunday. Again, the, uh, the NHL, the league, uh, finally stepped in on Saturday after Casey Zizekas became the eighth player uh, to test positive. Uh, Josh Bailey, of course, was the first player way back on November 16th. Um, and he remained quarantined in Florida uh, after the team returned from the end of their uh, season opening 13-game road trip. And the NHL uh, ruled that because the Islanders would have eight players unavailable uh, because of COVID for that Sunday game against the Rangers at, at Madison Square Garden, it was finally time to pause, step in and pause their season and let them get back to health. Um, Josh Bailey had practiced with the team on that Saturday, that same Saturday that Casey Sezikis tested positive, but he was, I mean, I think it's clear that he was not going to be able to play that Sunday. So the NHL uh, finally did step in. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more later as to whether the NHL was a little bit late I know you listeners have uh, thoughts on that. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that. But first, here are the thoughts of uh, uh, Josh Bailey and Anders Lee on being in COVID-19 protocol and, and what that process was like for them and uh, 
just their expectations through that. And uh, as you listen to this clip, it's Josh Bailey speaking first, and then Anders Lee. Yeah, um, for the most part, I was pretty well asymptomatic, thankfully. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I think you just kind of, you knew that was a possibility throughout the season that if you tested positive on the road, that that would be the case. So, um, yeah, it, it was what it is what it is, or I guess was what it was. But, uh, um, yeah, time went by a little slow. It was tough you know, out there with the guys helping out and get home when we finally got home. Um, but here we are. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. It's, uh, it's an exciting time, especially, you know, for all of us, but us, us guys who haven't uh, played in that arena yet, uh, really looking forward to it. Ended up uh, a couple days where it wasn't too much fun, but all good now, ready to roll. And just like Bill said, I mean, this is, this is something that uh, we were prepared uh, that might something like this might happen. Um, and then when it does, you just kind of have to deal with it and roll with it. And um, it's out of your control. And so uh, did the best we could at home. And um, now we're ready to, to get back at it. And, and we are looking forward to playing our uh, getting in the, the building tomorrow night. Having some of the veterans back should, in theory, help the Islanders. But let's be honest. Let's be totally honest. The Islanders weren't playing well before the COVID-19 outbreak. They they have lost eight in a row going into this game against the Sharks on Thursday night. Only five of those came after Josh Bailey became the first to test positive again. That was on November, November 16th. The Islanders have dropped their first four games at UBS Arena by an aggregate 13-3. to They've scored just 32 goals uh, so far this season. And again, that is through uh, 17 games. So, you know, you do the math here, that's less than two goals per game. Uh, that's, that's not getting it done in the NHL. I don't care how good your defense is. And as we've seen this season, the Islanders' defense hasn't been all that good anyway. So, uh... Uh, they they got problems on both ends, but and and of those thirty two goals scored through seventeen games this season, nine of those have been scored by the injured Brock Nelson. So uh, you take about a third of the goal production out of the lineup with Nelson being hurt. So obviously uh, there there are issues for the Islanders that go way beyond this COVID nineteen outbreak. It was. Uh, obviously, the, the, the COVID-19 outbreak did not help and, and if anything, drove uh, the Islanders' uh, downward turn even further downward, uh, having to play with a, with a hybrid NHL, AHL makeshift lineup there. And uh, look, obviously, there was plenty of discussion outside of the Islanders' sphere as to whether the season or whether the NHL should have stepped in and, and paused the Islanders' season before it did. Um, again, being honest, after waiting decades for a modern state-of-the-art facility, would you really have expected to see that opening weekend be postponed? Absolutely not. The, the Islanders were going to play uh, the, the Calgary Flames on November 20th and the Toronto Maple Leafs on November 21st. And again, you know, going back to that Calgary game, even though the Islanders' uh, lineup was certainly depleted 
by that point, and, and the game wound up 5-2. to two. That was really with two empty net goals. It was a 3-2 goal, uh, a 3-2 game, and the Islanders played, uh, you know, with, with, with enthusiasm, with, with the energy that you would expect from the Islanders. They just, they weren't good enough to beat a very good Flames team, but uh, the, the point being, there, there was no way that Flames game, or, or there was no way uh, probably the next game either uh, for this franchise to have had any of those opening days at, at, at UBS would, would have been a, a real blow to the organization there. Um, COVID aside, um, uh, you know, I think you can debate after that opening weekend uh, was finished whether that's the time for the NHL to step in. And again, uh, you know, my understanding was uh, Zdeno Chara, I, I believe on Tuesday, had tested positive, but the Islanders still played uh, games on, uh, what was it, Wednesday and Friday. That would have been November 24th and 26th, the day before and after Thanksgiving. They wind up uh, losing to the Rangers 4-1. Uh, on the Wednesday at UBS Arena, and that was not really a very competitive game. Uh, the Islanders' makeshift lineup certainly looked like a makeshift lineup at that point. Um, but the one nothing game against the Penguins, again, sort of the same lineup there, other than getting Noah Dobson back in after he missed the Rangers game, uh, one game with the lower body. Um, so you had two of your top six defensemen instead of just Scott Mayfield from your original top six. But uh, one nothing to, to the Penguins. They, they played well. Uh, you know, uh, they just couldn't score. Uh, Ilya Sorokin played well in net. He played really well in net. Um, but again, uh, after those first two games uh, at, at UBS, maybe that was the time for the league to step in and pause the games. But uh, the, my understanding was uh, after Zdeno Chara uh, had tested positive, it, it, the, the league and, and the, the league's doctors and, and, and the Islanders' doctors, not that the Islanders had a say in when or when not they, they were paused, but the NHL doctors and the medical uh, advisors here were very, very optimistic that the COVID uh, spread had been contained uh, with, after the Tuesday, that it was not going to spread further uh, going forward from Wednesday. Um, I, I cannot tell you what led them to believe that, other than I know that that was the belief, that they, that they thought they had the spread contained uh, going forward. So they let those two games be played. Lo and behold, on Saturday... They learn that the spread was not contained and Casey Sezikis becomes the eighth player to test positive. And at that point, the NHL felt like it had no uh, choice other than to step in uh, at that point. Again, uh, you know, in retrospect, probably that comes two games too late. That uh, uh, probably the Wednesday and Friday games should have not been played and uh, to to absolutely make sure there was no further spread. And again, in addition to the eight players who test positive, there were three others in the organization, uh, not identified by the organization, not players. So uh, the organization is not uh, uh, required to name those personnel other than, uh, you know, I asked Barry Trotz, 
uh, today, Wednesday, whether all coaches would be available against the Sharks. Um, and he said yes. So that leads me to believe that it was not any of the uh, coaches who tested positive. And uh, Lou Lamarillo came out and said he was not one of the ones who had tested positive. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's a done deal. They did play those two games on Wednesday and, and Friday as the, as the losing streak grew to eight. And I asked Anders Lee on whether there was any surprise the season wasn't paused quicker. And here's the captain giving his thoughts on uh, the NHL's decision. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that kind of stuff's out of our control. I mean, we um, there's protocols implemented and they're in place for a reason. And, um the doctors get together in all sides from team to the union to the league. Um, and there are some things that have to happen. And, um, I think they were, we tried to mitigate it. Obviously we kept showing up positives and, um, wasn't able to stop the spread. So I think at the end of the day, the last thing they want to do is have to reschedule a game. And, um, you know, when it got to the point that it was necessary, they shut it down. But as players, you know, this stuff, we, we just do what we can uh, to be ready for our, our next game and whatever that is. So now, um, back to the scoring woes here, uh, just to recount this. Anthony Beauvillier has gone eight games without a point. Zach Parisi has three assists this season. Matthew Barzell has one goal and no assists over his last seven games. And uh, in that last game before the pause, he was... Uh, Richard Panic and Zach Parisi were put on his wings, and and that trio generated just one shot in the one nothing loss to the uh, Penguins. That coming on November twenty sixth, the Friday after uh, Thanksgiving, Jean Gabriel Pajot has gone nine games without a point. He has just one goal and three assists this season. And, and one thing I, I, I certainly noticed against the Penguins and. And perhaps maybe you guys have noticed this before the Penguin game, but he, he looked oddly stationary on defense. Uh, uh, Penguins attackers were, were, were getting by him uh, in, the, in the Islanders zone. And, and that, that is not J.G. Pajot, uh, or that is not the J.G. Pajot that I, I've been watching. Um, I, I don't know whether he's dealing with an injury or, or what's going on, but I, I just think he he is not skating as well, or he had not been skating as well as as I'm used to him, as I'm used to seeing him. So I, I think that is definitely a concern going forward. In addition to the fact that he's gone nine games without a point, and uh, of course uh, Kyle Palmieri has just one goal. And six assists for the season. And, you know, 32 goals, you, you need something more from, from Kyle Palmieri. You need more from Zach Parisi, who is getting chances. They're both getting chances. Uh, at some point, you can't hang your hat on the fact that they're getting chances. You, you need to see conversion, uh, a better conversion rate there. So, yes, the problems run much deeper than having to dress a makeshift hybrid NHL-AHL roster, roster for multiple games. Uh, the, the, the problem with the Islanders is not that players such as Andy Andreoff or Richard Panic or Otto Koivula or defensemen such as Paul Ledoux, Grant Hutton, uh, or Robin Sallow, who, who does look like a very promising prospect, or, or, or even our old friend Thomas Hickey. The, the, the issue is not that those players were forced 
into the lineup out of necessity. The issue is it's, it's the veterans and the core players that the Islanders are counting on have played well below what has been expected. And, and it probably dates way back to the fourth game of the season uh, out at Columbus. Uh, um, when, when Barry Trotz first broke up his top defense pair of Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak, and that move was made not because those two were necessarily struggling. Uh, no, it was because the rest of the top six defensemen uh, were, were not really humming along there, particularly as uh, Dano Chara had a, a very rocky start uh, to the season. Noah Dobson started slowly. Uh, he's come around uh, as of late, uh, you know, one injury game aside. Um, so Trotz tried to distribute his best two defensemen in order to strengthen the rest of the blue liners. And in retrospect, it, it's a move that has not worked as intended. Uh, Ryan Pulak is still a ways away from returning from his lower body injury, but I'd be really shocked, honestly, if, when healthy, Trotz doesn't repair Pellick and Pulak. Meanwhile, this all allowed the Islanders, as I said, to get a decent look at Robin Sallow, the Finnish prospect, first drafted in the second round of the 2017 draft, who was playing his first season in North America. There were certainly flashes with Sallow on the ice uh, during his stint with the Islanders, and uh, it's not necessarily over um, with with Ryan Pulak uh, uh, still injured and Zdeno Chara still in uh, COVID-19 protocol. Uh, uh, Sallow may stay in the lineup a little bit longer, but you, you can certainly see flashes where you could envision him being a member of the top six. And, and while that may not happen this season, and who's to say maybe it won't, uh, uh, depending on whether Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz decide to stick with Dano Chara, to name one, for, for the whole season, or uh, as there likely may be, uh, you know, obviously injuries always play a part. Uh, you have to expect down the road the rest of the season. Again, the Islanders have only played 17 games, so what does that leave? 65 to go. You got to figure there are going to be further injuries at some point. So y- you can see, you can see Robin Sallow has good instincts on the ice. You can see he moves the puck well. You can see he moves himself well, and that's something the Islanders certainly are missing. Uh, with Devon Tays and Nick Letty having been traded in successive off-seasons for salary cap purposes. Uh, defensively, though, Robin Sallow has not yet gained Barry Trotz's full trust. And like many players, many young players, um, Trotz also noted that Sallow tends to misposition himself when, as Trotz said, things get quote-unquote hairy. He's, he, he said... Trotz did that Robin Sallow tends to follow others and he winds up playing more of an ineffectual zone defense rather than just taking a body and and defending the crease. And that is something that Sallow will learn and that's something Robin Sallow will have to learn to become an NHL regular. And the thought with Robin Sallow uh, at the beginning of the season was that maybe he would follow the Devontae's route and after some seasoning with AHL Bridgeport, certainly not as much seasoning as Devontae's had, um, 
Robin Sallow is 23, and he is only in his first season in North America. Spent the last two league seasons in the Swedish League, and before that played in his native Finland. Um, the, the thought was in his first North American season, maybe he would need some, you know, a half season of seasoning, or maybe longer uh, in the AHL with Bridgeport. And at some point, you know, mid-season or past, Maybe he joins the Islanders. He was certainly forced to come up a little bit early. But now, uh, taking a positive from it, now he and the organization know for sure what he needs to work work on. You know, and, and so through all this adversity, the Islanders have quickly gotten away from how they started the season, which was with Stanley Cup or bust aspirations and expectations, not only from within the room, but from... Others around the NHL, I'll say right now, as I've said before on the podcast, I was included in that Stanley Cup or bust bunch. Um, And I'm not claiming that the Islanders still don't have a confidence in themselves and still don't believe they can get to the heights and the expectations and, 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 and be above the bar uh, for the standard of play that they want to uh, uh, put out on the ice every time. So even if others are jumping off the bandwagon after this lousy start, the team still has a self-confidence. But it's a deep hole that they've dug themselves. I know they have games in hand against everyone, but it's not going to matter if they continue to play the way they have through this eight-game losing streak, even as they get healthy players back. But uh, I I did ask Barry Trotz on Wednesday whether there was a little bit of a reset here and the Islanders might be reverting more to that underdog role they had when first when, when Barry Trotz first came to the island, rather than a team with a, a constant target on its back, following back-to-back berths in the NHL Final Four. And uh, so here, here's Barry Trotz uh, speaking to that question. I, I think there is uh, there's something to be said with. Uh you know, the expectations, we have a lot of expectations on ourselves. Um, we've dug ourselves a huge uh, hole. Um, doesn't mean we can't dig ourselves out of it. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a huge hole, right? I, if you have any, any backbone, you're going to dig in. And this group has backbone, so I expect them to dig in. And you find a lot, you find out a lot about People when the when the heat's on, when when the pressure's on, when all that, you know, uh, and we we've done that, and you saw great things the last couple of years in in the playoffs. That's that's where the, all the pressure is is in the playoffs. Um, coming into the season, uh, higher expectations. I think previously, as you you had mentioned, probably we weren't rated too highly. You know, they should make the playoffs. They'll be in that, you know, that wild card spot or whatever, or fighting for a wild card spot. We've gone in and we've done well in the playoffs. Um, as I said to you, this league has gotten better and better every year. Uh, and teams have gotten better. And it, just getting to the playoffs is going to be tough enough and then trying to do something in the playoffs. Well, we've dug ourselves a hole. Um, and I said our playoffs are sort of now. Uh, we're not going to see the playoffs unless we're digging in right now. And the Vanders Lee, guys like Josh Haley and all that, they're good people. They're, they're, they're good humans who want to do well, not only for the guy next to him, but the crest and, and the fans and everybody. So I expect them to dig in and, uh, we will. 
And with that, let's now proceed to your questions. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we'll start off with our friend Thomas Boyle. And Thomas's question is, do you think the NHL dropped the ball with this fiasco with Ottawa and the Islanders with this COVID outbreak? Now, the, the, the NHL stepped in with the Ottawa Senators when they got to 10 players in COVID protocol plus uh, associate associate coach Jack Capuano, the, the former Islanders coach, uh, was also in COVID protocol And with the Islanders, uh, it was eight players, uh, really seven officially in COVID protocol since Josh Bailey had practiced with the team that day. But it it didn't seem that Josh Bailey was going to be available to play the Rangers at the Garden on Sunday. So really eight players unavailable for COVID reasons. You heard me say earlier that, yeah, I thought, I think, and I still think that the, the league should have probably stepped in and put the Islanders on pause after Dino Chara tested positive and and you you don't play that Wednesday or or Friday game before and after Thanksgiving but you know there there are also pressures on the NHL as well and it's it's really you do have to follow the science you do have to listen to the doctors but the NHL is also looking at it, um, they, they look at it as postponing games as absolutely the last resort, just because the, the season is condensed to begin with, and that's because they have this three-week break scheduled into February, and that, I mean, the idea behind that was sending players to Beijing for the Winter Olympics. And uh, I, I still think you got a split on that. I think more and more, especially as uh, uh, the world is starting to deal with a, another variant, Omicron, and learning just the severity and uh, the trans, uh, transmittability, is that a word? Uh, the transmission rates for Omicron, I, I do think going to Beijing is is now, you know, probably about a 50-50 proposition, or, or it should be at least. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the NHL has this uh, scheduled break, so the, the season is already condensed. And the NHL has shown that they're, you know, they, they expect teams to be able to handle COVID outbreaks. And when I see hand, say handle, I mean be able to call players up and, and, and to try and play through it until, uh, unfortunately, it gets to a point with the Islanders and, and the uh, Senators where the league did have to step in. And you, you, you could say that they should have stepped in with the Sharks and the Penguins too through those outbreaks. But the NHL really is is looking not to postpone games. As I said, it's it's a last resort for the league. But uh, so you know to say drop the puck, I don't think that's that's fair because they were reviewing it every day with their doctors and the, and the NHL Players Association doctors. The, the information was being looked at at a daily uh, basis, but. It's easy to say that they probably were two games too late on pausing the Islanders' season. Um, that's 2020 hindsight. And the best we can hope is that this informs the league 
when there are outbreaks on other teams. And there are going to be outbreaks uh, down the road, uh, you know, and uh, and you're seeing it in the AHL as well. And, and you can just hope that the experience with the Senators and the Islanders and before that with the Penguins and the Sharks just informs the NHL and maybe informs them into making uh, quicker decisions on this topic. Um bunch of uh, similar questions on, uh, on the same subject, and I'm just going to read these all off. Uh, first comes from uh, uh, my friend Chris Nietzsche. So Nietzsche asks, honest opinion, can we make the playoffs? And if so, what needs to change? David Levenstein asks, when the team is 100% healthy, can they get back to where they expect it to be come playoff time? Uh, Isles in MO uh, asks, do you personally think that the team has the will to turn things around and make a run to the playoff spot when they're healthy? And Jeff Camp says, between the endless road trips, COVID decimation and COVID shutdown and the Olympic pause, is this just a wasted season already? Seems like there's no continuity. And uh no, I don't think it's a wasted season already. I don't expect the Islanders to to go along at a 12 points in 17 games clip. I don't know right now whether or not they do reach the playoffs. Statistically, historically, they're in a bad spot, as, as has been repeated uh, a lot, uh, as it is every season around Thanksgiving. Historically, 77% of the teams in playoff spots at Thanksgiving do wind up making the playoffs, and the Islanders are obviously a far, far way away. So you can see that historically their odds of making the playoffs are not great. Um, They're going to have to rip off one of these, you know... uh, they're, they're on an eight-game losing streak, so I would say they're going to need an eight-game winning streak at some point. They're going to need a double-digit point streak at some point, most likely. But I'm not putting that past this team. Um, this team has been in a lot of tough spots. They certainly know how to uh, handle this. It's a matter of whether... Uh, you know, the defense holds up. They need to be better defensively. Uh, they need their defensemen, uh, whether they stick with this top six that they started the season with or whoever Lou Lamarillo adds to the mix. They, they just need to play better defensively. You've seen Barry Trotz and his staff be able to turn around the team's defensive play. They gave up 100 fewer goals in Barry Trotz's first season than they did in Doug Waite's last season. So so Barry Trotz certainly knows how to inform the team, the players how to play better defensively. You need the execution on the ice. And uh, again, you know, as the season goes on, age is going to be a question. Is Dano Chara at 44? Is he up to the task? I know a lot of people talk about Andy Green. I'm not on that bandwagon. I, I think Andy Green is still a, a, a contributing member here. I, I don't worry about Andy Green's age. I, I really don't. Um, maybe you say I'm biased towards Andy Green, but uh, I, I just I have a lot of faith in Andy Green 
Um, so I, I, I really don't worry about him uh, within the top six, but I, I, I am worried about Zdeno Chara and uh, uh, wondering what the Islanders are going to do there. And, you know, maybe this is a chance for Sebastian Ajo to really step up. But let's see, do I personally think the team has the will to turn things around? Uh, that's an easy question. Yeah, they absolutely have the will. Um, these guys are, are pretty hardcore when it comes to their competitive nature. So I, I don't worry about that one bit. It, it, again, it comes down to the execution and the talent. Um, will they be a playoff team is, is the question right now. Do I think they're going to be in the playoffs? And, uh, you know, I, I know that, that what the stats are and where they are, um, I'm, you know, without trying to be Pollyannish here about it, I, I still, you know, if I thought this was a Stanley Cup or bust season to start the season, and that was just 17 games ago, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to completely dive headfirst off the bandwagon. I, I just think a lot of things have to happen for the Islanders to make the playoffs. Uh, one being, like I said, I, I, I think a minimum eight-game winning streak at some point, a, a double-digit point streak uh, is going to be needed to get them back into it. They're going to have to play better defensively. I think Lou Lamarillo is going to have to make some move moves, either singular or plural, to bulk up defensively and, and to improve defensively. I, I think Semyon Varlamov, uh, you know, is going to have to play a little bit sharper than he's played. Ilya Sorokin's been really good. Um, if those things happen, and there are a lot of ifs, then yeah, the Islanders can contend here. Um, they also need some help now from some other teams. Uh, it's going to be a really tough tough road to get there, and the Islanders are, are going to need maybe some teams in the Atlantic division to uh, falter a little bit, just so five teams from the Metro get in, because I, I think the Islanders are going to have a really hard time getting into the top four in in the uh, Metropolitan division by the end of the season, and I think you're looking probably at this point uh, at, at the Rangers, Hurricanes, Capitals certainly being in that uh, a top three there, and then you know, the Blue Jackets and the uh, Penguins and the uh, um, who are the Devils even or could be competing. So uh, the numbers are against them, but I, I do think the Islanders are going to get to the point where you know come March they they're they're playing for something uh, and they're playing to get into the playoffs. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Jared Zarnicki says, who's to blame? Um, which is a very open-ended question. Um, look, you know, everything starts and ends with Lou Lamarillo, right? Uh, he's the one who constructed this defense. He's the one who signed Zdeno Char. And I know uh, people have been, you know, just absolutely all over Lou for trading away Nick Letty and, and, you know, boy, did the, uh, <laughs> did the needle turn on that one? Because when Nick Letty was here, all you heard was complaints about his game. Um, but now you're realizing what a puck mover does for this team, right? Um, and, and again, you know, uh, Devon Tays the season before and, 
you can dissect that, but really the Islanders were in a cap crunch and, and to get players signed, they needed to move some money. And, uh, that, that's, that, that's just what happened. I mean, and, uh, also you can say, well, would the Islanders be better with Jordan Everly, uh, in their lineup? And he was taken by, by Seattle in the expansion draft. And you cannot control, you know, whether Seattle takes a, a Josh Bailey or a Jordan Everly or who they're going to take in that expansion draft. Um, once you expose them, that's, that's the, the risk you take. And, you know, if you remember, uh, there were times when Jordan Everly would have a hard time scoring as well. I know there were complaints about that. But, you know, when, when, when it's who's to blame, and I think Lou will tell you this, uh, you know, this is how he feels. Everything starts and ends with him. So if you're looking for someone to blame, you know, I, I think Lou would say look at him. But let's let's be fair and let's give it a full season here before we... Uh, you know, take the torch to the house. And uh, it's a long way to the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, there, there, there is still time to, to massage this roster and to even infuse it or, or jolt it with, with some other, you know, maybe some scoring help or certainly some defense help. So let, let's see how this plays out at this point. Um, New York Sports Bob uh, asks, uh, can you address the handicap accessible seating arrangements at UBS Arena? What is available and so on? Also, the handicap parking. Thanks. And I know this was an issue uh, before the arena started um, where, where handicap and handicap accessible parking was going to be. I, I'm pretty sure they worked that out and that was changed and uh, there is now handicap accessible parking much closer to the arena. Um, I'm not sure of the exact spots. I'm sorry about that. As far as uh, the handicap accessible seating arrangements, I do know there are eight sections in the 100s with wheelchair sitting and five sections in the 200s with wheelchair accessible seats. Um, and when you get a wheelchair accessible seat, you can purchase a one companion seat to go with that wheelchair accessible seat. Now, I have not been down to, to look at those sections to see exactly where those wheelchair accessible seats are and how the sight lines are. Um, I can only imagine, you know, just knowing how the sight lines are in the press box that, you know, it, it's probably pretty good. Um, but I, I have not been down into the bowl to, to take a, a good look at, at where those seats are. I just know there are 13 sections overall in, in the arena, eight in the 100s, five in the 200s that do have wheelchair accessible seats. Um, also, and I, I bring this up, not that it was asked, but uh, um, assisted, because uh, I did a story, uh, my friend uh, Gary Knoll, uh, who does a lot of advocating, uh, Gary is deaf, and uh, he does a lot of advocating with all the New York City area teams for closed captioning in in arenas, and, and he's done a lot of good advocating in, in getting, you know, uh, a better closed captioning done. I, I know 
for, for the Islanders, assisted listening devices located at the guest service kiosks. And uh, there, there's closed captioning that will be on the ribbon boards. And there's also an app or a way of getting it on your personal, uh, uh, on your smartphones. Um, and, and just getting back to uh, the wheelchair accessibility, um, if there are any ticket holders who do have, you know, issues getting to their seat locations or anywhere around the arena, uh, UBS Arena will provide wheelchairs uh, for those ticket holders, and uh, uh, escort services are also available at each uh, uh, entrance. You uh, need to get in touch with the UBS Arena uh, to to arrange all that, but those those models are there. Brian G says the AHL seems to be have been hit hard by COVID. Can you see the NHL going back to having a taxi squad? to help get through the season. And absolutely, yes, I can. Um, I, I think there are going to have to be, uh, certainly if there are further COVID outbreaks uh, within the NHL, I, I certainly think uh, there, there are going to have to be some changes made to, to make sure uh, both leagues are able to get through their season. Now, the problem with the taxi squad is you, you're taking away from the AHL and there's a trickle-down effect um you know, also to the ECHL. Um, so I, I don't think that would be the, the first option. But if you're asking me, could I see a taxi squad at some point this season if, if things do get really rough with COVID? Yes, absolutely, I, I could. Um, our, our good friend Neil Best <laughs> chiming in. He, he couldn't be a guest on the show uh, this week, uh, but he did get a question in. And also, you'll be happy to know that Neil Best at Sportswatch, at Sportswatch on Twitter has changed his Twitter icon to a Rolling Stones logo. And uh, I, I would like to think that's because I've peppered him with Rolling Stone questions on the Island Ice podcast. And uh, Neil asks, are UBS officials concerned about post-game parking lot egress? Big problem after the Harry Styles concert. And... Uh, yeah, it's been a big problem after the first four Islander games as well. Um, you know, you hear reports that it, it takes people 45 minutes to an hour just to, to get out of the parking lot. I, I saw something on Twitter, uh, one person responding to this thread saying they were in Silver Lot, which is right in front of the uh, Belmont Park Grandstand. And you, know, you go right down the Gate 5 Road and you're on Hempstead Turnpike and, you know, uh, on Twitter, this, this person was saying he was a hundred feet from Hempstead Turnpike and it took him about an hour to get out, uh, which I, I know is very, very frustrating. And yeah, I, I've heard these stories and I, I know uh, the people, the residents in Elmont are up in arms about uh, the, 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 the post-game parking and the post-concert parking. And now there are people not wanting to park near the arena or driving all around the neighborhood looking for parking spots. So yeah, this is this is a big issue right now. And I think it's something where they're going to have to come up with better models. Um, talking to Tim Laiwicki, um, I believe this was uh, uh, after the first or second game uh, at UBS. I, I sat down with him. And he said, really, the UBS 
uh, event workers and, uh, and, and the officials there want to really take about two weeks to see how this all shakes out. And if it's still really bad, you know, uh, going into December here, yeah, they're going to have to come up with something else uh, to, to help the situation. I He didn't know what the something else would be. Uh, I certainly don't know what the something else would be. But really, uh, Tim was saying he's, he's curious how much it is just confusion after the games and the concerts where the workers are not sure of how to direct people. People are unsure of how to leave. He was saying... A familiarity may bring a better traffic flow. Um, I, I think that has yet to be seen. And uh, I, I do think at some point uh, they're going to have to kind of come up with a different model. Because if it's taking you an hour to get out of a parking lot, that pretty much ruins the whole uh, experience of going to a game if you're worried about that through the whole game or the whole concert. I, I know uh, I'm going to see Genesis on December 10th at UBS Arena, and uh, it's already been a topic for, of discussion amongst the crew I'm going with, you know, where to park, how to park, <laughs> how long it's going to take us to park, how long it's going to take us to drive out to UBS, how long it's going to take us to get out of the parking lot. So uh, you, you don't want that to be the, uh, you know, the reputation of the arena, uh, that people are staying away just because it, it's such a, a nightmare for parking. So, but again, we're only four games and one concert into this uh, arena's life. So, uh, you know, just Tim Laiwicki said the, there would be further discussions on this and, and I, I will take Tim at his word and that this is an issue that is not just going to be left as it is, that they're going to be proactive with it uh, at a certain point. And Will Forthman uh, says, if you had to pick two of the call-ups who could stick with the team or get a first shot at getting called up again, who would you pick? Um, and I will go with Robin Salo, and I will go with Otto Koivula. I, I could see those guys, either one of them, getting regular time uh, as the season progresses. Um, let's see, Arik says, uh, do you know if uh, basically the New York government has checked the positive Islanders players to see if they have the Omicron variant? And I, I I don't know whether they have or not. Um, I, I think these players were really in the protocol even before Omicron was a, a thing, uh, which you know just shows you how thing how close how fast things work in the world today. Because now all we're talking about is Omicron. But I have no knowledge whether they were checked for Omicron or not. Um, uh, let's see the big Stromboli twenty one says, will they trade for a goal scorer, Tarasenko? And Emboss22 says, do you think Lou is working on a move to spark the offense? And yeah, Lou is constantly in touch and, you know, constantly thinking of what would make things better. And, you know, uh, playing the let's let's think along with Lou game is, is a fool's game. It's, it's very difficult to do because Lou doesn't tell anyone what he's thinking. Um, Tarasenko, if he's still, uh, 
if he's still out there, I, I think the Islanders do need to consider this. Uh, you know, even if it at the comes at the cost of maybe a Scott Mayfield or you know even a Robin Salo, uh, I, I think you do need to uh, consider a Tarasenko if he's out there. Um, I, I do not think the Islanders should be in on Jake DeBrusque, uh, who has asked for a trade from the Bruins. I know a lot of teams at last uh, report I saw up to 12 teams are in on that. I personally would not make that kind of move. Uh, I'd be much happier with the Tarasenko. Um, but I also think Lou uh, is looking, he needs to make the defense better. So I think he's working on both fronts. Um Eric Fischetti says, are we going to see a first line of Anders Lee, Matthew Barzell, and Oliver Wallstrom? And not right now, because I'll tell you what, before this COVID outbreak really took hold, Oliver Wallstrom was headed for a healthy scratch. Uh, If Barry had had enough healthy players, Wallstrom would have been in the press box for a couple of games. Um, So as of right now, I, I don't think... Wallstrom is going to get paired up with Lee and Barzell. Um, But that's just short term. I think once Wallstrom shows that, uh, shows Barry what he wants to see in his game, uh, I think you're going to have to consider that just because, as I mentioned, this team needs scoring and Matthew Barzell needs people to pass to who can score. And Oliver Wallstrom certainly is one of those. Uh, Let's see. Iceman192231 says, How soon do the Islanders become sellers? Even when the guys come back, they won't be 100% for a long time. Uh, And you can see how COVID destroyed Mika Zibanejad last season. And look, that, that is a good point there, that Mika Zibanejad, after he had his bout with COVID, um... He did not play like Mika Zibanejad for a long time um, and, and later admitted that uh, that had to do with uh, COVID-19. And you just don't know what the long-term effects are, are going to be about how players, uh, their bodies react to having COVID. And I addressed that in a story earlier this week that you can find on newsday.com backslash aisles, what the long-term effects might be. Um but I, I can tell you this, the, the Islanders, I don't believe, are, are going to become sellers. That's because Lou Lamarillo does not believe in rebuilds. He does not believe in, I don't even think he knows how to spell rebuild. Um, he is always going for it this season. So I do not see Lou Lamarillo becoming a seller. Um, Michael says, power play, question, anybody, question mark. Is, 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 is it time to make a coaching change? And uh, Jim Hiller is in charge of the Islanders' power play. Obviously not the head coach, but something has to happen. They've given up more shorthanded goals than they've scored on the power play. And uh, me talking here, that is uh, slightly inaccurate. They've scored five power play goals this season and given up three shorthanded goals. But the point is well taken. The ratio should no way be that close. Five, five, four on the power play and three against on the power play. That's that's an awful ratio. Um, it's been bad, the power play, for a while, but this is on another level. And yes, the power play is... Five for 49. I think it's 
it's nine or ten games since they've produced a power play goal. Yeah, this is this is biblically bad at this point, and and I agree with that. And no, not only is it biblically bad, they they're losing momentum now when the power play units are are out there. Um, Look, Scott Gomez, who was the uh, the assistant coach in charge of the power play for Barry Trotz's first season with the Islanders, uh, lost his job after Barry's first season. And I, I think it's fair to question whether after this season, Barry doesn't make a change again uh, with who's in charge of the power play, uh, unless something changes. I, I think... I think Barry wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't look for different answers at this point. Um, Brooklyn Bum says, oh, uh, also, will will John Gruden and Jim Hiller get fired? And should the Islanders tank uh, <laughs> um, to get right and then compete? And no, there's no, the Islanders are not going to tank. So that's an easy answer. Um, as I mentioned with Hiller, I, I think... The, the, the whole coaching staff will come up for evaluation after the season. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I certainly don't expect Lane Lambert uh, to, to be ousted, but after, or, or Piero Greco or Mitch Korn. I, I think, you know, Korn, Greco, and Lane Lambert, I would say those are, those guys are safe. But yeah, you, you, you wonder about Gruden and Jim Heller for sure. Um, DC asks thoughts on Matthew Barzell's play so far. Uh, do you see him turning things around and getting back to his past season's form? Well, I, I will say one thing: it's tough to be a point producer when you you, you you sort of have no one to pass to who can produce points. So uh, yeah, Barzy's uh, Barzy's play is a little bit of a function of who he's been playing with. But that said, he was playing with Anders Lee for a while. Um, I, I think what I've seen from Barzy lately is him getting back to trying to do too much. And, and that's just who Matthew Barzell is. Um, you know, he, 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 he wants to produce points. He wants the team to win. And he can see what's going on with the team. So, yeah, he's there were a few games where he held on to the puck a little too long, was skating, trying to create time and space, and just nothing nothing ever developed, and he winds up, the puck winds up going the other way. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit on Barzi, that's a little bit on who Barzi is playing with. Um, and the last one here as we wrap up episode 120 of the Island Ice podcast, and I thank you all for listening. Uh, Piper Isle says, what is your belief on why Barry Trotz has not played Anatoly Gulyshev instead of a typical uh, fourth-line players called up from the AHL? This team's scoring and other issues started way before the COVID outbreak. Is it just a stubbornness, just like not playing Wally in Game 7? Um all I can tell you on that, because I have not seen Anatoly Golishev play at Bridgeport yet. Um, all I've seen is highlights from the KHL and what I saw in training camp and, and the preseason. Is Barry was asked about that after the one nothing loss to uh, the Penguins before the COVID break, and Barry just said that he didn't think Golishev was there, uh, quite there. I believe was the quote compared to some of the other players Barry had 
at his disposal, and that includes guys like Richard Panic and uh, Andy Andreoff, and you would think Golishev uh, would have more of a chance of, of being, uh, you know, an offensive threat than than those two. Uh, it's just, you know, Panic and Andreoff's game, just it, it's a little bit different. Um, again, I can only report what Barry was asked when, uh, when he was asked about Golishev, and, and now with, with players coming back, I don't think Golishev gets a, a chance uh, at this point. Um, I, I was a little disappointed. I was interested in seeing him, but he was a healthy scratch for two games. Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't want to call Barry uh, stubborn. Uh, I, I just don't, I know what, you know, everyone's thoughts are about, you know, who he had in the lineup, Travis Zajac or Oliver Wallstrom. Um, it's not stubbornness. It's them, you know, sitting down and weighing all the pros and cons in their minds. Um, I don't think they go into it with bias. I honestly believe that they're doing in their minds what's best for the team to win that day. I'm sort of not in that room, and I was interested in seeing Golishev play, and now you wonder whether you, you, you are going to see him play for the Islanders. He's on a one-way deal for one year, but if he doesn't get a shot here with the Islanders, I mean, does he want to resign with this organization? Does he want to go back to the KHL? Does he want to try it with a different NHL organization? So uh, I, I think those are questions for the future, but... Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I, I would have liked to seen Golishev at least once. That was not the case, and now with the uh, Bailey and Anders Lee back, I, I don't think that will be the case now. Um, so that's it, episode one twenty of the Island Ice podcast, and I'm your host Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter again at a Gross Newsday and. Uh, for anything, any of uh, Newsday's uh, Islanders content, you can go to newsday.com backslash Isles. Happy hockey, everybody.